Well, with the Israel-Hamas conflict rapidly escalating, the United Nations Security Council has held an emergency meeting behind closed doors while the US has declared it will send a carrier strike group to the eastern Mediterranean in support of Israel. It's very hard to digest all of this situation. Associate Professor Joe Siracusa joins us now, who's Dean of the Global Futures in the Faculty of Humanities here at Curtin University. Thank you indeed for your time, Joe. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much. It's always good to speak to you. Uh, the situation is mind-blowing, I think, for everyone around the world. Um, I wonder if you could just bring us up to date as to how the US and United Nations have reacted to the escalation of the hostilities in Gaza. Yes, it is mind-blowing. But I, I just want to say at the beginning that uh, Joe Biden and temporaries, you know, uh, we're the same. Uh, we saw the Vietnam War. We saw the collapse of communism we saw the war on terror and all this and i didn't have to read about joe biden's career or i didn't have to read about what went uh about american policy in the middle east i witnessed it and then i wrote about it as a scholar of course and and so i i, I have this feeling that um we're we're looking i'm looking at a movie that i've seen before mm. you know this this is uh more people are getting killed our policies don't work we get Further out on the ledge, we get stuck with the extremist positions in the Knesset, uh, and uh, we, we're making an enemy of uh, I don't know, 100 million Arabs by looking like we're one-sided in this war. And the president goes on television today, he goes into the Oval Office, which is uh, always a very serious thing to give a talk in the Oval Office. That's where uh, John Kennedy reminded the Russians in 1962 that an attack on the United States from Cuba was an attack on uh, the, uh, on the United States and Russia. Yeah. So he said, we're going to have a war here. Now, the president went into this room to try to give this uh, uh, important speech, sort of connect the dots. Um, he talked about, uh, and i got to tell you this, uh, if, if I hear his speechwriter say inflection point one more time, yeah. I'm going to be sick. <laughs> you know, as a professional writer, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm surprised at, you know, the president's one thing. You know, he's a political animal from 1973. 73, I showed up in Australia as a young lecturer. He shows up in the Senate. So we've seen everything together. And and he wasn't a great writer. He's never written a great speech. In fact, your audience may not know this, but at one stage when he think, was thinking of running for president, he got caught plagiarizing someone else's speech. Hmm. in the talk that he gave so he got caught out so he's not a great thinker he might he might be a good politician i have no doubt about that and so we we get this sort of speech written by the foreign policy establishment who want to who want us to trust them one more time about what what he's doing and 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 i, I found that the speech uh, and I, i've read every speech every president's ever written since 1787 and these, this particular kind of speech um, uh, sort of takes American public for mugs. It's it's written in infantilizing language. Mm. You know, we got a problem here. All you got to do is listen to me, and the problem is equal. You know, we got to prevent uh, Hamas from running over Israel, which ain't going to happen because uh, Gaza's not going to be there by this time next week. Mm. And then we got to prevent the Russians from overrunning Ukraine. Uh, which has a long, complicated history with Tsarist Russia, Soviet Russia, and then Putin's Russia. So he's sort of likening these things together, and he lumps them together so that the House of Representatives, from which all money bills 
uh, begin, uh, will turn over $100 billion. And then he says to us, we're not really giving anybody any uh, weapons that uh, we need. They're in storage. The money is being used to replace them. Now, what, does that make any sense to anybody? If you replace something or you pay for something, you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're sort of using this kind of sophistry to see if anybody's listening. And the, the president, to be fair to him, his, his minders are trying to make him look presidential. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's what you do in the Oval Office and, and sending the man over into a war zone to get to Israel just in time for the head of the Palestinian Authority to cancel a meeting with you is ridiculous. Yeah. And, and, and I have, I think, following American politics or the White House and the State Department for 50 years, I, I think um, uh, Anthony Blinken, who is a very good man, you know, he's a, he's a, he's, he's a foreign policy uh, uh, fellow who leads with human rights. He's a human rights foreign policy guy. And, you know, even if he fails over and over again. And they, they give him this job of, of telling the Israelis, we support you. And that number two, uh, we will support uh, anything you do, as long as it includes not killing as many civilians or, or making civilians safe, that kind of thing. Mm. And then, they, then Blinken goes off to these other Arab capitals and he tells all these people. Jordan, Saudi Arabia, this, and Egypt, that we want you to condemn what Hamas has done, not mention anything that has gone before uh, this particular conflict with Hamas, and then we want you to sit back and watch the Israelis play it out. And so these, these Arab leaders, they, they, they couldn't agree to that, because if they did, they'd be gone by Monday morning. You know, they, as strong as these leaders are, they have millions and millions of people in the streets um, uh, protesting uh, against what's going on in Gaza and American support. And, and millions, I, see this, I saw this picture in, in Jordan, in Amman. It must have been a half a million people in the streets. Yeah. You know, uh, the king of Jordan would be, uh, would be toast if he did something that these people didn't want to do. So they want to distance themselves a little bit. So anyway, the president comes out and he tries to rescue uh, uh, Blinken's thing. Now, Blinken, I said, is a human rights guy and... Um, you know, uh, heading these other people, telling them what they have to do, telling them that they have to watch uh, the Israeli Defense Force roll through Gaza after it's been pummeled. Uh, it, it just it gets too hard for him. I saw his body language; he looks really stressed out. He 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 struck me as a as a chaplain on a pirate ship. You know, these people in other capitals are playing uh, hardball, real politics. This is how states work. States do what they have to do. Then they tell you about it. They try to explain it later. And, and you can see that he doesn't want 10,000 dead Palestinian children on his resume. He doesn't want to say, this happened while he was doing this. It's bad enough that Cabal collapsed on his, his watch. And so he, he doesn't want any more disasters. Now, is there a nice way to put down Hamas? Uh, Hamas, uh, I think, rolled the dice on this one. Cannot hide behind people after you've committed a crime. You become kind of like, these people become sort of like collateral damage. Uh, you cannot immunize yourself from attack by using civilians as human shields. 1917, America was going to go to war, wanted to go to war with Germany because they were killing Americans in the high seas, other people's ships. 
and we had a secretary of state who said, you know, they can't, um, they can't do that. And, and, and President Wilson said, well, yes, they can. And, um, you know, he resigned, William James Bryan. He, he, he resigned out of principle. So, but you, know, we, you can't hide behind these people. And uh, I think that the, the ground war in uh, Israel, and, you know, the, the, the artillery can go on for 40 days. There's no, there's no one's in any hurry. I mean, you see pictures of, of, of Gaza on television. I mean, and there are whole city blocks that are missing. And the whole place, you know, isn't much bigger than Philadelphia. Small place. Yeah. It's not the most congested place on earth. I lived in New York, so I beg to differ on <laughs> that one. But the point is, it, there's nothing left, you know, when people say, you know, we have to rescue these people. You know, there is an, uh, I just saw Bernie Sanders talking to an audience in Berlin, and they reminded them there are uh, 2.3 million uh, Gazans, uh, 50% are children. 70% are unemployed. Uh, the place is a basket case already. And, and what the Israelis have done right now, and I have a lot of time for the Israeli side of the politics here, what the Israelis have done now is they have destroyed for the next generation commerce, finance, education, health, and well-being. These kids ain't never going to be the same again. Yeah. This is this screwed up, a crowd of people you'll ever see. They're, they're not going to be productive people. They're, they're going to be in therapy if they live long enough. And so when people say, we got to stop uh, 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 Netanyahu from, from doing this, well, it, it's too late. Yeah. You know? As soon as you cut off the water and electricity, if you cut off Australia's water, electricity, and energy, there'd be riots in the street. Yeah. <laughs> you'd, be, yeah. you'd be gone in a minute. Uh, and, and the point is, is the damage is already done, and and, and President Biden, uh, who is kind of a part of the foreign policy establishment, what I mean by that is he's gone uh, along with the foreign policy establishment since they got us stuck in Vietnam. He, he tends to use the uh, the stick uh, rather than anything else. He, he'll go along with that. He's surrounded by people who want to take a more gentle approach to the world. Hmm. Well, you know, we, we're now open to... Uh, larger issues? Will this war become a larger regional war? Well, uh, those two American aircraft carriers, the Ford and the Eisenhower groups, are there in the Mediterranean to remind uh, uh, Israel's enemy that they can't do anything. In fact, uh, their presence there actually tells them uh, an attack on Israel will be an attack on them. And a lot of these uh, aircraft carriers have these the ships that bring down missiles in flight. And actually, one was brought down, three were brought down from Yemen today, so people are actually aiming their things. And it wouldn't take much to do great damage to uh, Tel Aviv or to principal, organ, uh, principal cities like that in Israel. So the, the Americans are there to, to warn yeah. uh, Israel's neighbors not to, to do anything. And second of all, they're there to persuade the Israelis to cool it. You yep. don't have to kill everybody there to have some security. And um, Joe Biden didn't want to get into foreign policy. And while his, his minders think that this will make him very presidential, I can assure you that uh, uh, Americans do not go to the polls, the percentage they do, because of foreign policy issues. My generation was Vietnam, and when we 
finally got rid of Lyndon Johnson. We Americans uh, voted for Richard Nixon. And Miguel Paul said he was there because the law and order issue, not because of the Vietnam War. Yeah. And, you know, George Bush got us into Iraq, and so what did he do? Yeah, he, he, he got reelected. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not what you think it is. You know? No, it's interesting. Even even that kind of thing. But look, we we've got to take. Um, uh, I, I I try to take a humane approach to this. Is is there a middle ground? And uh, two things. I don't see any moderation anywhere. You know, the Egyptians don't want to open that gate because they don't want all those people on Egyptian soil. And. Uh, yeah. uh, Israel doesn't want to fight this war over over here uh, with, with Hezbollah in Lebanon because there are uh, uh, Hezbollah is a formidable force. They have ten thousand high powered precision rockets, not these fireworks. No, not the fireworks. Joe, I wonder if I could ask you. I mean, sure. it's just frightening. We're, we're looking at a war as it happens in our lounge rooms, um, which is something we've never used to see. So we weren't that affected emotionally, but everybody is so upset by this. What about other global implications of this conflict, do you think, will happen? Well, you're, you're, you're quite right. Now, during the Vietnam War, we had it in our living rooms with Walter Cronkite, and channel, you know, uh, the NBC. We had correspondents who were out there in the field. We saw the carnage every night. You know, you couldn't bullshit anybody. You saw what you saw. Yeah. You saw the Tet Offensive. You know, when, when you get the Viet Cong charging into the American embassy in Saigon, you can't fake it anymore, okay? Yeah. You can, you see, now, after that, the United States Armed Forces learned a lesson. The lesson was, don't. Let the cameras in. So during our next two Gulf Wars, you notice there was only um, uh, vetted coverage. Sure. You know, the uh, uh, Schwarzenberg and others only allowed the things they wanted people to see. These very uh, um, uh, sort of analytic bombs from high up, etc. There were no correspondents embedded. And nobody, nothing got out that they didn't want the American people to see. I mean, war is hell. I don't care how you, you measure it. Killing people is just the most profound thing you can do to another human being. And the armed forces didn't want the American people going off these wars because of these images. But once again now, because of social media, everybody's got a television camera in their phone. Anybody can tell us what's going on. And, the, and, and I, I've been watching these people from Al Jazeera and other networks there, and these people—they don't know where to stand. They think they're going to—they're going to get killed, and a number of them have been killed. God bless them, as a matter of fact. And so we're getting to see this, and and uh, we're, we're we're not numb. You know, you, they, maybe people think you're you're numb after a while, but how, how, how do you how do you get numb about seeing? A thousand children killed, and women, and old people, and, and all the rest of it. Yeah. And, 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 it and you see it in real time. And, and you see, uh, the, the one that, that got me, Jenny, was uh, the, the mother who kissed her baby goodbye as she was wrapped up in, in, in a sheet or whatever. I mean, yeah. uh, that yeah. stuff just, um, just leaves a very uh, uh, profound mark on your brain or scratches on the brain. Now, yeah, do we have a way out of this? I think this is going to kind of have to play its course. I mean, it's like a forest fire. It's kind of roaring through. I don't know how much more Netanyahu has to do. And in the last couple of days, I've been reading some really wonderful articles by Israeli reservists who left New York or whatever to join the or go back to the army. And, and they've written some really nice things 
saying that, you know, I'm, I'm calling, I'm answering the call of duty. At the same time, we have to learn that we must not be dragged along by the extremists in parliaments. It's the extremists who put the majority of the people at risk. You know, the average uh, Israelis don't know how They don't want to go charging into Gaza. You know, it takes 800 men uh, to, to, to lock down a two-square-block area. And then, you know, 20% of them get killed by snipers. I mean, no one wants to get into an urban war in the Kosbah, for, for example. That's what this is, you know. You don't want to get caught in these places. And, of course, 80% of Hamas is hiding in tunnels. And, you know, during the Vietnam War, uh, one of the things I, uh, I wasn't going down there. <laughs> these tunnels that go on for miles and miles, and the enemy hides there, and they, they put prisoners there and all the rest of it. And so it's going to get ugly. Now, Australia is in a very interesting position. It wants to support uh, the United States. It wants to support Netanyahu. Yet there are a lot of Australians who, they're not pro-Palestinian. They just say, hey, enough's enough. You know, you, you don't have to crash a building uh, with, with 300 kids in it to prove your point. You already proved your point. You know, yeah, the place true. looks kind of uh, empty already, as a matter of fact. And so, you know, what you're going to have is the Second Chechen War or Grozny or Mosul or places that we had to level to the ground. And you know this, this famous saying by a uh, Roman general who says that, uh, Tacitus, you, uh, you make a desert and call it peace. That's what we got now. We got the desert. We got a parking lot yeah. where Gaza used to be. And, and when people say, you know, uh, uh, we're going uh, we're, we're to return things to normal. I mean, <laughs> and uh, the big question for you and me and others is, well, are the Israelis going to reoccupy uh, Gaza? I mean, President Biden went out of his way to say that before he arrived in uh, Tel Aviv. He says uh, he hopes they don't reoccupy the place. Because they won't know how to, and, and then you know, as uh, we, we had a wonderful Secretary of State who said years ago, the trouble with going into these places and supporting people like this is, is uh, who's going to put it back together? Yeah. You know, he says if you break it, you got to put it back together. So once you've broken this place down, and, and you know, who's going to put, who's going to provide the health services? Yeah. You know what bothered me is when I see these buildings go down with miles and miles of, of black smoke. And that smoke's got asbestos and crap in it that we can't imagine going into the lungs of these young children in the neighboring neighborhoods. You're thinking, well, you know, you're going to be having chest cancer there. Uh, you're going to have waves of it in 20 years. You know, they're killing off a generation. You don't need a bomb. All you need is asbestos in the air. Yeah. And you look at that, you have thousands of square feet of black smoke. Where, where, where do you go for that? I mean, it, it yeah. doesn't leave the air. Joe, you know, we're, we're sort of living it through their horror and you're right, the economy, the education, like you say, their health, their well-being, their get back to work, open open the whole city, how is it going to happen? And if you don't mind, we'll definitely catch up with you again in the near future if that's okay. You explained it so very, very well. We really appreciate it and we're reeling in horror here, that's for sure. And you're closer to it than anybody. Well, I, I say I've seen all of this. Yeah. I... I, I, I I know there are not a lot of choices, yeah. but I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, you got to say enough. Enough you know? is enough, yeah. We never learn, Joe. We never learn with these wars. I'm afraid that's only too true. That's very, very true. Much. We're self-destructing yeah. as human beings yeah. sometimes.
Okay. Bye-bye. Joe, thank you so much. That's fantastic. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, what a story, eh? Today.